Rainbow Wrap-Up is sponsored by Hawaii Sports Fans. Come join us for every UH football game on the road at hisportsfans.com. Aloha and welcome to another episode of the Rainbow Wrap-Up. It was a bye week and thank God because we needed the rest. And I don't just mean our team, I mean the three of us here. And I know a guy that never gets any rest because he's always on a plane like me. Hey, Wayne. Hey, Sean. Yep, just uh, got in, landed back at home uh, a few hours ago. <laughs> just that time to re- record this. And of course, what would we do without our very own Sean Iman? What's up, Sean? Oh, what's up, guys? What's up, Warrior Nation? Well, like we said, we had a chance to take a little break this past weekend. I don't know what you folks did. I tried to do absolutely nothing, um, but we had some good games on TV. Um, I'm sure a lot of you enjoyed some of that college, even high school as well in Hawaii NFL. Uh, But for me, I also um, got to think a little bit about our upcoming trips. We got Reno. We already talked about this at Hawaii Sports Fans. And we're going to do a day near the Lake Tahoe and distilleries, breweries, but also, and this is in the planning stages, but there's going to be a special kickoff rally or pregame rally, we'll call it, um, with other road warriors there in Reno and anybody who's in the area that's going to be at the depot um, where we celebrated my 50th game in a row. And that was four years ago. Um, Sheesh. It's just crazy being in Reno then in September of 2019. And I was like, I guess I'll go for 50 more and getting pretty closer about seven away now, I guess. Um, but Reno, come join us there. Uh, even if you're not on the tour, you're invited to come to the dinner. Look out for that. Uh, probably be some limitations as well as how many people we can have. Um, but you know, that's what we're, we're all about at Hawaii sports fans, having that experience, which includes being out and about in the community that of the places that we go to. And I know Ryan has been doing his own community reach out and they've reached back to him as well. Thankful for, um, all the donations this past year. And just to remind people, um, for every road game, um, or actually not just every road game for every opponent that we play, Ryan has, um, identified a charity that uh, was needed of assistance and um, he's done so now with charities from Oregon, uh, Eugene, Oregon, Las Cruces, New Mexico, Las Vegas, so all the places that we've played so far. Um, but Ryan, just share some of the feedback you've been getting back as well. Yeah. So it's actually pretty cool. There's a, I mean, I've gotten four letters um, back home right now and uh you know, these are handwritten thank you notes. And, nice. you know, this is something where it's it's super appreciated, just that feedback, because, you know, I could expect this if we were donating like $10,000 or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even a thousand, but just the fact that even though, you know, it's something, it's still, you yeah. know, it's $50, but to the fact that they took the time to write this down uh, or type up a letter that is somewhat customized is just, it's really cool to see. And you can tell, you know, um, what it means to them. And, you know, one of them was actually really cool. It was saying like, Hey, this is for, you know, this actually went to a foster parent that needed some support and 
help their contributions. So um, that was the New Mexico one. So nice. it just went to nice. a specific family. So it's like, hey, you're seeing exactly where your money's going. Um, and I've gotten a lot of just, you know, when you do these things, you end up on a bunch of email lists. So I'm getting a lot of updates from everyone. <laughs> um, I got a you know nice letter from the Lahaina Foundation. Uh, they're just kind of like, hey, here's our update. Here's what's going on here. So that was pretty cool from the Maui side. Um, but yeah, look for next week or this week in a few days on Saturday. Um, and then next week's podcast, we'll talk about San Diego and where we went for Maui for that donation. So cool. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Mahalo um, for spearheading oh. that. And also just, um, you know, <clears throat> understanding where these people are coming from. I, I think a lot of people in this process, especially donating to Maui, um, it is kind of confusing because so many people are asking for, for money and um, it's cool to hear that they're giving you some of the accountability as to where your money was being spent. So yeah, I think you find the right one. So thank you for sharing that. Like we said, going to San Diego, uh, we're not doing that this year. We, we were there last year at Snapdragon Stadium though. We actually had a Hawaii sports fans. I called it a mini tour because it was a quick tour. Just a few of us do not too many of us. Um, and the Dallas Cowboys versus the Rams were that was that same weekend as well. So we were in San Diego, Snapdragon, Snap, Snapdragon Stadium um, in San Diego, which if you've been to the old Jack Murphy Qualcomm Stadium, um, it's literally right next to it. Or they built it in that same area, but next to it uh, and tore down the old stadium. It was really sad to see it tear down. I saw it go down in pieces as well. Um, but so many memories for Hawaii fans, obviously a holiday bowl being there. Um, right. But unlike us, because there are a lot of similarities with the Aztecs um, to the Rainbow Warriors, but unlike us, they have their new stadium and we played in it last year and it's really beautiful. To me, it's one of the best stadiums I've been in in, in football in general. And it's, it's that beautiful and just nice, you know, just just nice enough. It's nothing super snazzy like it's it's not going to be sofi but it it has a lot of bells and whistles that sofi does have itself that you can have on a college campus and have that atmosphere so we're going to talk about the long-term future about uh and we'll try not to compare ourselves too much to san diego state with the brand and, and where we're heading because i think we're going in different directions but we're going to ask the question is uh doomed so stick around for that later in the podcast we're going <laughs> to we're going to focus on that question. And that is on the foot. Uh, this is on the back end of Stephen Sy's oh. recent article in the advertiser, star advertiser talking about why we should appreciate things while we have them. Um, which is a good way of saying like, they're going to disappear soon. Um, and you might not see it. And I think in Hawaii, we've been naive to it uh, as well, but we'll talk about that. Um, but first let's just jump into this game with the Aztecs. Um, I think it's a little deceiving, first of all, their record, because they have <clears throat> lost a lot of games, actually. Um, but at the same time, so we kind of lost a few games. Uh, but Sean, just your first impression, just going into this game alone, what are you thinking about? Does that, It could be the score, it could be how the game flow is, could be us. But what are your first impressions when we talk about playing the Aztecs 5 p.m. Hawaii time on CBS Sports Network this Saturday. Well, they're they're a lot like us. They're two and four. I think their fan base kind of similar to us. They're kind of frustrated, uh, kind of down. They they kind of needed that bye week. So they had a bye week, same time as us. And 
I think this is going to be a get right game for somebody. So, you know, either we're going to write the things that we've been doing all season or, or we're going to bend over and, and send the Aztecs <laughs> back to Montezuma with, with a big win. So, <laughs> but you, I mean, so shout out when you brought up Montezuma, we got to shout out our sons of Montezuma friends there. Um, their podcast has started just recently. They, uh, uh, Mateo, who is in charge of it, he is actually the son. He told me of of a, of a former administrator, and he and if you listen to their podcast, he makes it very obvious that they're not associated with the athletic department because there are a lot at odds. They they are critical a lot of the team, and a lot of schools don't like that. Sounds familiar. However, <laughs> however. <laughs> However, they were now they were recently crowned the official podcast or, or one of the oh. official podcasts of San Diego State. They have an NLI partnership. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really cool. They're growing their own personal brand at, at Sons of Montezuma. I don't I don't know how deep their ties are with the school, but they actually are definitely acknowledged. <laughs> Put yeah. it that way. The very bare minimum, but they also have been growing a presence there on television. I mean, they're getting press for their podcasts and um you just that, see watch, that watch party looked really great yeah they have their watch parties yeah uh, Mateo's really into editing his show uh, he listened to one of our shows and he's like bro you need to add some sound effects or something i'm so there's bored. a lot of <laughs> sound drops in, in that thing so i think but, we just uh, have we have an ante so no but we do we do but you know like it's really cool hearing just you know listening to their show but also they have the visual aspect to it on youtube but check them out, Sons of Montezuma. And, you know, that's something I think I hope at Rainbow Rapa we'd like to aspire to. And it's just hard. It just feels hard. Uh, we don't want to get into now because we're going to talk about this later on, um, about, you know, being able to galvanize a fan base and, and bring more people. Because if you listen to the show, too, and you, you heard some of that, they're, they're helping to bring fans, which I think we're doing as well, Rainbow Rapa. We help to bring a lot of people. Um, and a lot of us personally bring a lot of people to the games. Um, but with that being said, we, we hopefully will have a, a reasonable crowd at San Diego State. I mean, we don't even talk about attendance anymore. I, I, I feel like now seeing that the, the highest attended games are like in the high 20s. It's so crazy in the Mountain West, at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, we used to be there and, and surpass yeah. that. And it's crazy. But um, Ryan, I mean, your, your initial thoughts about this game, San Diego State. You know, it, it almost feels like we're coming in identical. Uh, I mean, even both just coming off the bye week, both teams kind of struggling. This is like we talked about before this. This is a game where someone's going to kind of say, hey, this is where we turn it around. And then this is where someone's going to say, hey, we hit a wall and we're in trouble for the rest of the season. Um, you know, I think one of the big things is when you look at, you know, their quarterback is also leading the team in rushing. And, you know, we did kind of turn it around oh. a couple weeks ago at New Mexico <laughs> State or three weeks ago. And, you know, we'll see how that goes this week. Um, you know, and then ours is at the bottom because of all the sacks he's taken. He's at negative 110 yards this year. So I think, you know, the running game like it has been all season for us is going to be a, a big question. Um, there's no doubt at times that we've been able to stretch the field, you know, at times, like I said, not consistently, but you know, there, there have been some deep shots, but you know, we'll, we'll see, um, home games and you know, the rain in Manoa always makes things funky. <laughs> yep. That's oh. true. I mean, that 
could come into play being a TC Ching with the elements and the Manoa Misty Nights, um, which not, not even a mist. That's like a full on deluge when it, <laughs> when it rains in Manoa. So be prepared for that. But it does stop um, for the most part. I guess you, I should say that. Yeah. You, did you guys pick UH to lose this one? Yeah, let's go back and look at our preseason. I think I picked them to win like 23 to 20, I think. Um, so I picked you, a loss 24 20. Okay. I picked a loss as well, correct? Okay. But it was like a one point loss, I think. I think I said um, 20. Let me see. I have, if you go to HI Sports fans, at HI Sports fans on Instagram, you'll see some cool graphics. <clears throat> and one of them uh, was a few weeks ago after the New Mexico State game showing that Sean and I were perfect as Ryan had picked a loss at New <clears throat> Mexico State. And then Ryan picked a win at UNLV. Mm. So right now, Ryan is doing the worst of the, all of all of us. We're all Sean even now. I, no, you you have two. You picked two mm. wrong, Sean. I mean, Ryan. What? Yeah. Yeah. Sean and I. Sean and I are perfect so far. We both picked losses at UNLV. I oh, said 35-31. Sorry, I say it now. Sean mm-hmm. said twenty three seventeen. Um, and I thought the score. If, if we could have held them, but UNLV, you know, we talked about that show. Go listen to mm-hmm. it. Go listen to our whole season. <clears throat> but Ryan thought we would win that game, thirty four twenty four. I know you thought that our our offense would be in a different place, where it is now. Um, but I think that uh, when you look at San Diego State, like you're correct, that there is kind of a mirror to that. They they do pass a little bit more um, than we do, uh, or, or than or than they rush. I mean. And um, so, you know, there's a chance to slow the game down, at least if they're incompleting, they're not completing passes. They're not, I mean, UNLV could just like, you know, truck. That's what some of their guys could do. And they could block and they had good schemes. So, um, and their offensive coordinator was known for his passing and he did a lot of running plays. I mean, they, they ran a lot mostly, you know, that, and that's the, that's the sign too. And you can have somebody that identifies that mismatch. And even if it's not, maybe your identity is what you're going to do the mostly, I mean, if you have a the advantage on the run game, you know, pound. And we saw UNLV do that. I don't think San Diego State's going to do that. They don't have the Marshall folks or the Rashad Pennies or any of the guys that, you know, used to, <laughs> used to run all over us. Yeah. So that, so, that should help as well. If um, we're going to win this game, what's the thing that we need to clean up the most? Like, if, if I was saying, like, we, if we really – you know, what, what do we need to do? Is it pass protection? Is it the running game? Is it tackling? Well, looking what, at what last we... year's, looking at last year's game, which came down, have you watched that it was video? Low scoring. I, I mean, yeah, it was a little scoring. And that's the thing. I think oh. if we do create, make this a defensive battle, um, because San Diego State does not put up a lot of points themselves. They're, they're averaging under 20 points um a game this year so far uh they did play some pretty formidable opponents obviously UCLA and Oregon State being some of them Air mm-hmm. Force they only put up 10 points at Air Force yeah and Air Force uh I mean that's a game that they, look like they a scored driver. 49 points and that was the quickest yeah. game of the year you know Air Force is efficient um but Air, mm-hmm. if, if I, I think in San Diego State they can't what looked like last year is they couldn't string together competent drive was kind of like we were at that point and then last year at the at that last and the final minute when we scored right before a minute and 14 scored our touchdown mm-hmm. you know they kind of snapped out of it well first we kicked the ball out of bounds which didn't yeah. help so that yeah. helped san diego state mm-hmm. um get better field get on position. the 40 yeah so i think if we can keep it like an ugliest game 
Because I told, and that's what I said on Sons of Montezuma. They interviewed me last year before the game, and I said, if it's a low-scoring game, we have a chance. And at halftime of that game, I think it was 3-0 at, at that mm-hmm. point. And I was like, oh, my. I told them I was like, 6-3. I was like, I saw Mateo then. I was like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe this is close. I was like, we have a chance. And I, and I was there with all the, their parents. They have like a bar. A literal, they have bars all over the place there. But they have one that you can watch from the patio. So you can go up to the bar, drink and whatever, and watch the game from the bar there. area. I mean, it's so cool. That's just, just a really cool stadium. Um but I think that's that that could be the the path to victory. I, I thought 28-27 in my preseason prediction, like UH, but that would require efficiency in the run and shoot, which I don't think I don't even know if we're gonna have it by the end of the year. I really don't. I just yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't know if it's just the person like what, what Ryan said of the personnel. I, I'm I think that I think uh, this is an offense, personal offense to any of the boys, but yeah, it, it does it definitely feels like the least amount of talent talent we've ever had at UH, in my opinion, ever at UH. Um, and that's just kind of the lack of, like I said, playmaking studs that we can rely on. But even in this offense, like Ryan talked about, I mean, you have to have the ability, I mean, as quarterback to make quick throws, as running, as as receivers to have savvy when it comes to running your routes and being precise. I mean, all of those things are, and the timing there's a lot of moving parts to this offense as well. So I knew that we weren't going to have it in the bag by the time the season started. I knew that because we barely had a spring. Like the spring was early. It was fast. I don't don't remember anything from it. And our fall camp, it didn't seem like, it seemed like we had a few breakout moments, which is what this offense will generate breakout moments, but we need consistency. We need to be able to push the ball down the field. Um, with precision and you see in the NFL like Sean McVay and a lot of these um, big offensive minds I mean they they generate 13 play drives that take off all this time on the clock and this is against NFL defenses with Uh great athletes and of course you have NFL offenses but at the same time it's rough to be a quarterback or running back but you just have to be very careful precise with your play calling precise with your execution and that's just hard to do without time we saw two teams run Tecmo Bowl uh, trick plays yeah. last Sunday. So, I mean, you know, and there's stuff too. out there. Yeah. The thing that makes me mad is that, you know, Shager, if he's not staring at you as one of the four wide receivers when the ball is hiked, you're a blocker and you're not getting the ball. So our offense is running at, what, 15 to 20% efficiency because he doesn't have the ability – to go and find someone that's open. We we've seen it. Like people are wide open down the field and he's just not looking at them. So that's my, the biggest frustration with me is that Timmy keeps him in there. We haven't looked at any of the other quarterbacks outside of the, the Navy guy. And and we just keep doing the same thing. So that's a point of frustration for me. And at the midpoint of the season, I don't, I don't get it. And that's why I'm kind of, frustrated and i i don't know i don't know how high shager's ceiling is because yeah. because of that fact so i mean well, if he's just gonna look at one dude why don't why don't we just put in extra blockers and you know just go one-on-one on the outside but while we do have some talent and we're talking about obviously profelli ashlock um and mcbride Stephen mcbride really starting mm-hmm. to emerge they're still young and a few years away from being truly dominant players. But 
Shaker doesn't have that guy. He doesn't have even like Marcus Kemp was there for Norm Chow's teams. We always had that big receiver or that guy that he could throw to. But also, and what Ryan talked about, it doesn't seem that Shager is has really, really close relationships with his receivers. I'm sure they're boys and they're cool with each other. But that's it's different from being able to be like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes or (laughs) Colt Brennan and Jason Rivers slash Devon Best slash all of them. I mean, he just had Mm – he could just tell them where to go, right? That's that's and that you can do that at this They point. would just lock eyes and they would know what to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but they and would I they don't... would see out of the defense, okay, there's a puka over there in the middle, like mm-hmm. run there. Even if this play doesn't call that. And you have to have confidence in the offense to be able to obviously do stuff like that. But Colt did. He was so confident that he knew that if he audibled or just changed something a little bit, he he knew that he would be able to deliver. But at the same time, we don't expect that from Shager and it's hard if your skill set is not built for a particular offense as well. Um, you yeah, know. he didn't run this in, in high school. He ran a very different mm-hmm. offense. So, but yeah. I mean, if, if it, if something's not working, I, I feel like you got to look at the other tools in your, your tool belt. So uh, it's going to be yeah. a dead and, you know, you give. You Go give ahead. Shager some credit. I mean, he's had three different offensive coordinators in the past three years, right? So everything's changed year in, year out. Um, you know, so you can't knock too much against them. But at the same time, like we're talking about, you got to be with your boys. And that's like, you know, your entire receiver core, you guys need to be eating together. You go watch Sunset of China Walls together. I mean, you do whatever you can to get to know each other because that's what the run and shoot is. It's really knowing at second level, third level, you know, hey, I'm reading a safety, I'm reading a corner, and you got to know what your quarterback's thinking. And you can only do that by getting close and becoming friends, family, brothers, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what's also tough, too, is that I think that, you know, from and I'm not trying to knock the coaching staff on this, I think they have a solid grasp of it. But, you know, we don't have a Mouse Davis, June Jones, Dan Robinson coaching. <laughs> you know, these guys have a general on, solid on idea staff. of run and shoot. Yeah. Yeah. They, they know, you know, I mean, a lot of us, if you've been around the game and you've played it, you have general concepts. But I think, you know, the guys, I mean, of course, you know, Mouse is one of the engineers of the offense. I think when you have someone like him who can really teach that, there's a big difference there. And, I, you know, maybe you needed to simplify it a little bit more where you're not having to do all these second and third level reads like, hey, you know, you're running these posts and you're not having to decide 30 yards downfield what the safety is doing and expect your quarterback to be on the same page because it's just, it takes too much time. And, you know, you've got McBride, who's a senior this year, right? He came over as a transfer. The Feli Aflock's got, you know, a few years, of, you, know, you know, he's a freshman this year, but I just haven't seen any of that, you know, that, that group together so far with their receivers and our quarterbacks. Well, I think chemistry is something that I would say is a positive for the team at, at, at in whole because they seem pretty close, but we've seen some, we've seen some, uh, some breaks in the armor there <laughs> on the sideline. Um, but at the same time, that's normal for a team who's losing. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to stay positive. I mean, in college, I was a part of a lot of losing teams on my own and it's not fun because you have to find different ways to keep yourself motivated. And also, you know, there's going to be that, um, tension also with people that aren't playing like, man put me in give me a chance i mean i i could see that already with the quarterbacks because 
they got to play last year, those two. I mean, they all got to play in the first, what, three games? We let They yeah. all three played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This year, to not even have another guy run the run and shoot, because like, like we said, June Jones ran with Tyler Gronke and Inoki Funaki in the same games that Cole Brennan was either tearing it up or needed help. He, it didn't matter. Like, those guys are a part of the scheme. They're a part of the mm-hmm. engine. And that's the thing. It's like, you need to come with, so many surprise attacks to win a football yep. game in general. And you see it in the NFL, you see it at power five. The fact that we should be seeing it even more at our level. I mean, finding ways to, um, I don't know, the lions, they saw how they snapped under Jared Goff's legs directly to the right. that was running cool. back. Like, yeah. I know no. this is the NFL. I, I mean, but these coaches are full-time coaches and there's two mm-hmm. offensive coordinators and Timmy's calling the plays. So there's three guys working at the top of offense. I just, I, I don't, either it's not running seamlessly right now with the three of them or, you know, because I feel like that should be even more so. We should be finding ways that we, and, and I feel like we do make adjustments necessary because we, like we said, our second half, we've definitely, um, it probably helps to have a lot of eyeballs, but it just doesn't have flow. We just don't have flow. We haven't had it on our offense since, and well, I'm at UH, I mean, even during Todd Graham, we didn't really have a lot of flow. We had yeah, a guy named Calvin who yeah. you can put mm-hmm. the ball to his hands. Yeah. And that's the yeah. that's that's the ultimate change we maker that we don't have. Like so like, yeah, like when June was here, he benched Rolo for Timmy, and then he benched mm-hmm. Timmy for Rolo. And then, you know, the next year, uh what we went to the bowl game and he benched Timmy for Wielden in the in or uh, was that against? Yeah, that was in the bowl game. Yeah, yeah. Wielden won. So, I mean, but there are. I mean, there's a difference between benching and utilizing the skill talents, also giving your first unit a chance to rest. Your first quarter, making them a part of the game plan. Inoki Funaki yeah, was not surprising right. to see him come in a game. He's a third string quarterback, and he played in a lot of games. I mean, I have to go back and look mm-hmm. when we were in the red zone. Or when we needed something quick, or when you know Colt needed whatever a breather, you know. And I think that's what I—that's more where I'm heading down the line. Where if they're not even a part of, you're not even thinking about how yeah. you can utilize their talents. Right. It's going to be hard yeah. to just replace them because yeah, June could trust that Jason Wilden could come in on the goal. Usually it wasn't, you know, in the, mm-hmm. the red zone situations mm-hmm. he would have these other quarterbacks come in. But yeah, I don't understand. They're just sitting on the bench. Like uh, that's that's what strange to me that that he doesn't have separate packages. I mean, you have three, technically three offensive coordinators. You could have one who just works <laughs> with a different unit. I mean, and they just do certain running plays or, you know, and June would have um, special teams when he would fake punts and everything. It'd be like 11 brand new guys. It seemed like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm exaggerating, but we'd have a different long snapper and you'd probably maybe keep the guards and the tackles in. But I mean, basically it was a bunch of new guys that, we're practicing this special teams play all week. And June was like, here's a chance to put it in. And it could be like a throw to the, the guy lining up in the, as a tight end, like Abu you know. Mafala would line up right. and mm-hmm. get thrown to or something. I mean, that's the creativity that we need to see as well. So, I mean, I, people are like, oh, you can't be flow and have creativity, but I think creativity is part of the flow. It's bum, You're boom, saying boom, like, boom, uh, boom, boom. Carving out a role for them on the team and keeping them, keeping them involved well even if there were even if Mm -hmm. timmy was the only offensive coordinator i would hope that he would already think in that vein in terms of 
trying to find different ways to, because the harmony is different from just playing the melody over and over and over again. Right. That's why songs have different parts. Like everyone has a part, like you have to, you have to be able to bring everyone together in a, in a clear symphony, but also it helps having like, what, what, um, we alluded to last week and what Ryan brought up again as well as a veteran staff that mm-hmm. can back you up, that can be that guy and be like, Hey coach, I got to play right now. Like, even if you have, but there's enough respect that you're going to listen kind of a thing. Right. It's like, that's why June had like mouse and, and West Swan and you know, um, the Ron Lee, Ron Lee, yeah. he had a lot of guys, mm-hmm. um, Dan Morrison, Dan Morrison that, yeah. um, you know, and they went with him to SMU. A lot, a oh. lot of minds he could tap into. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. And, you know, I just, with this team, you know, like I was looking at it real quick. I mean, Yellen had 20 throws against Bandy last year. He was in for 20 plays. I mean, granted, you know, that game was kind of over as as soon as it started. You know, Western Kentucky, same thing. He had 11 throws and, you know, you know, a few of them are runs. But I just, I mean, do you guys feel that Timmy is like, hey, we announced the run and shoot, so this is what I'm going to stick with, and that's yep. what I'm stuck with. I mean, I don't see any creativity. I don't see anything like, hey, find stuff that works, and let's just go with it. I don't care if it's five trick plays in a row. It's just like finding a way to score and and win a game. I, I, just, I just feel like he's stuck and like, hey, I have to prove that this offense works, and, and I think that's what's hurting us. Well, the thing is, we just said in the paper, they just made a deal about installing new tight end packages is that going in the that's, direction that's of pure run and shoot, shoot or the that's opposite exactly yeah. so that's what's confusing to me even more so now if we're gonna make alterations to me it's adding another someone else in the backfield which of course maybe they'll stack the box so add people i get it like the defense corner is not gonna stay in cover five or something mm-hmm. if we're obviously but at the same time it'll give your quarterback more confidence i believe um, and also utilize the fact that we have a great running back room. I, it's crazy that we are one of the worst teams in Division One in rushing. We yes, I think what when we, we have good running last? backs, yeah, yeah. Talented, like, yeah. like one thirty or one thirty one for for rushing. So, I mean, that's the one position yeah. that we are interchanging, and all of those guys who've come in have shown promise. Every single one of them, literally everyone that's put in, put in. Not that they're it's none of them are Marshall Falls. It's our line. Anything. And not exactly like our line's not great, but at the same time, that's why we're not adding, I mean, add another, another blocker, like do something in which, you know, run counters, run do um, tosses. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah you got to run, run tosses, sweeps stuff to the outside, run sweeps, you know, run jet sweeps them. that you can mm-hmm. run to this. Yeah. Like put a guy in the, I mean, it's, I, you know, it's easier said than done, obviously, but I, I think we've been, we've seen enough of the season where, it's we're, we're justified in, in our frustration is into mm-hmm. where the offense is because you're right. And I think a part of that is the pressure to be Hawaii, to be, um, you know, I'll just tell you a quick story on our way to uh, the game in the Uber in Vegas, me and um, Fuchsia was a Vietnamese guy and he was the Uber driver. I remember. And he was like, Oh, Hawaii, Hawaii, Hawaii. Oh, they score a lot of points. I was like, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, to have that same perception from 2007 um, is, and that even before that, let's be, the whole 2000s, we scored a lot of points. I mean, yeah. and, and that guy's yeah. defense, and he, he was probably a college football fan from that era as well, that knew Hawaii. So obviously that identity is there, and you have that pressure to uphold it. 
Mm-hmm. But it's not that important. More important is getting yards. More important is sustaining drives. More important is utilizing talent, putting them in the, the proper place. And I think that is um, more of the challenge. But ultimately, I'm going to say this, and I'll reiterate this again. The cupboard was very, 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 very bare when Timmy inherited this program. And I understand um, his frustration as well, because he's starting to get frustrated. He's trying to say, like, people, you got to let some of my guys develop when he's totally right. It's just we don't have enough veteran guys yet who are studs enough that we can rely on them mm-hmm. in the meantime. We're trying to make Pofele and, um, you know, more than, you know, and I think he's having an amazing year, obviously, and especially mm-hmm. for not having our flow yet. You know, he's been able to yeah, he's a freshman. I mean, do his thing. Yeah. Um, but with that all being said as well, it, it, it points to the greater issue, which is the quicksand. And even Stephen Sai used that a reference, mm-hmm. quicksand. Yeah. Um, but talk about just, um, Sean, uh, this article and what really stuck out to you the most. Um, we're, we're so, referencing Stephen Sai, obviously. If you go to Hawaii Football Net, he posted the entire our boy Lala head who will be there in Reno and you can go see him as well. But he posts the entire article that Stephen um, Sai had um, had written and I'll, I'll give you the title at least. It's the title is as glum as it looks now. This hmm. might be as good as it gets for UH. So Sean, um, Sean, it, it gave it put Sean in a kind of a mood today. So we'll let Sean talk about it. Yeah. So like last week, he uh, Stephen Sai kind of put out just like like a but I think he compared Colt Brennan to, to Shager. And he said, you know, it didn't click right away for Colt. And then at the end, he's, he kind of said, you know, you guys should just like enjoy this because in three years, there might not be a football program. And in five years, there might not be an athletics department here at, here at Hawaii. And like, you know, that got me shook because it was, it's just, you know, shocking for the beat writer to like put that out there. And then, and then on Tuesday, he put a whole article about it. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to be optimistic. And, you know, all these things that we've been talking about, and, you know, it sounds like we're negative Nancys, but to have the beat writer who has got definite ends with the program to be posting an article like that, that should be a huge red flag for this program and the way it's being run. And... And I, it's just, it's super concerning. Well, so I'll, I'll just kind of preference it, uh, preface it a little bit. Um, you know, Steven Sion, that's a guy that's been on our show before. He's a straight up guy. He obviously has to play his role and play the game because of his position as really the leading voice, I would say, editorial voice, at least for Hawaii football and has been for decades now. Um, so he has to be really careful, obviously, about what he says, but he has definitely been getting more grim. It's not um, not between the lines. A lot of times he goes between the lines. There, this was, this was you know Hollywood sign flashing lights, yeah. which is super concerning to me because it's you know it, it wasn't like it was a threat, but he was kind of basically just saying like you know just enjoy what you have while we got it. So here are the four things he said to enjoy while we had the Mountain West, yeah. Team Complex, yeah. the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And the Hawaii Bowl, mm-hmm. um, but Ryan. I mean, of those things, how what? How are we gonna build if we were to go up for Timmy to go upward? Not just Timmy, 
for the athletic department to move itself, project, not just turn the ship around, but actually gain speed and head northward again. What, how would you play it out if you were AD? So the biggest thing for me, and you know, I think you can appreciate this too, is that as, as a small business owner, right? A lot of people, especially early on when they're starting up, they try to do all these little things right, which they're important. Don't get me wrong. But your number one thing when you start a business is what? Revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's an investment from the school, the state, you know, partially the fans, right? You know, I talk about like, hey, you know, when Colorado wanted to hire Dion, they didn't have a $29 million. That was basically crowdfunded from donors and the school said, hey, we want you here. We don't have it yet. We're going to get it for you. And then they found a way and got it. And I think that, you know, when Timmy got hired on, the school did a lot of great things. You know, they wanted to say, hey, we're going to be better as far as the culture here. You know, we're going to do certain things. But the big thing that they got to figure out is, hey, we need a stadium and then we have to get more fans involved and, and the money has to come in. And that needs to be someone as Craig Angelos, who's still, you know, barely six months into his job. You got to be working with the state who already set aside what 300 million or whatever it is. Right. But there needs to be something in progress. If you wanted Chain Complex to be here longer, right, they would have built at least some kind of visitor locker room instead of the concourse of Les Murakami. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry if you had to move stuff around Clump Gym, if you had to rearrange stuff with our own UH locker room. If you're saying, hey, this is our spot for four or five years until we can do this, you would have done something. And that's with the administration just saying, hey, the concourse is good enough for Oregon to want to come here. And then a year later, they're already saying, hey, let's move to a neutral site because we don't want our, you know, four and five star players changing on, you know, the freaking concrete unfolding chairs. And I think that's, you know, that's been the problem with UH. There are certain things, right? We see it. Hey, we're trying to get fans or bring in some, you know, singers involved. We do some random giveaways, but everybody does that. You know, the biggest thing is you got to sell tickets. You got to bring in this revenue. And we've talked about a whole lot of ideas, whether it's like, hey, I want to work with if I got a, uh, a football ticket, I get a free ride on the bus to the game or, hey, you know, there's a bunch of empty seats here. Let's sell them for five, ten dollars because it's five or ten dollars that you didn't have. I think that there was a step in the right direction with some of the kids tickets. But, you know, not to call it UH, but if you're not really vetting some of these, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bunch of people got extra tickets and they're, nothing's happening with them. You know, so they're saying, hey, these tickets are sold or whatever, but free doesn't equal revenue. Um, And yeah, you know, we can go on and on about spectrum and pay-per-view. But like anything, you know, college football is really it's a business and you got to bring in money somehow. You know, that's calling all of your donors, all your fans. Uh, You know, I think I heard some of Craig doing some of like, hey, why aren't you renewing things like that? But we've had coaches in the past do that. You know, they call you up the next season. Hey, why didn't you renew? Yeah, and you know, I think Wayne, you talked about that recently. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I mean, there's. I don't think there's anything that I've said in the past five minutes that we haven't talked about before. But here we are. You know, time to move forward, and nothing's happened. Also, as a small business owner, if I lost that many customers and I had their contact info, (laughs) I would probably call them eventually. I'm like. I just lost. I am hemorrhaging 80% of my clientele. Um, but now that's normal. Let's just hire another CEO and charge and pay him even more than the last one. Mm-hmm. But that, that's literally the how we're running business. Right. 
So, I mean, tailgating, it's just, it's stupid to just keep banging on this, but people aren't going to come to the football games without tailgating. So Mm -hmm. it's a dead horse. We're going to beat it until, you know, (laughs) they need to just figure it out. Yeah, we didn't talk about it the other week. For the first time in like three years, we didn't talk about tailgating on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, to even not have a option for, say, the first, okay, let's say that Clum Gym lot right there, like even how small that lot is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just saying, if you come to this lot, Mm -hmm. you can barbecue. Yeah, Yeah. you can barbecue Mm -hmm. in this lot, one lot, and Mm -hmm. we can prevent. You know, you know, we can let that be the first sample test or whatever. And, you know, just to have, like we said, that smell in the air. Um, yeah. We talked activity. about top of the parking garage. Our yeah. group would probably spend 200 bucks a game yeah. to tailgate if we had our own space. Yeah. You know, or you, easily. Or you, these 10 by 10 plots, rent them out, you know, bring in easy ups if you need to or do whatever you got to do. Put a big barrel in the middle for charcoal. You know, there's ways to do, you know, do it right figure out your fire marshal safety, all that stuff like that. But yeah. And that's revenue. You know, even if you're starting to gain $2,000 a game for something or whatever it is, that's something because we're at the point where we need everything. Well, when UH was at Aloha stadium with 20,000 season ticket holders, that's like 70% of the athletic department's revenue. So, I mean, what we're down to like 9,000. So, I mean, that's a problem. I know I realize we're keeping a higher portion because it is on campus, but mm-hmm. yeah, it it's it's rough. Man, we're like yeah, we're we're lo- looking at not having a program. So well, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't downsized, really. Yeah. They haven't made significant. I think I, I they probably don't hire as much support staff, but we need to hack off some of the top of the leadership. I mean, why, why isn't Angelos's contract you need to increase this football season ticket holders 20 percent every year that should be in his contract yeah yeah why but, not you know that's another dead horse that we exactly this, i mean this, and so. that's the thing is like it's just that's, accountability that's why is not there when you don't have to worry yeah. about yeah. reaching job security goals yeah i mean so, so and that's why we're talking about closing down the program so you know do it your way fine you know whatever well, three years ago when we started podcasting, almost four years ago, it was 2024, but 2020 uh, when we started live streaming, I brought this up with Shane on our very first mm-hmm. live stream. And yeah, I mean, it was almost like Shane was almost like incredulous at the possibility of it happening. <laughs> I mean, Shane has come a long way like you in terms of <laughs> seeing your viewpoints, but a lot of people are still in that mindset where nothing will happen to you. It'll be there every year. And these are the people that are, very casual fans too. They probably don't even go to games. They're just, you know, want to say they're fans. And we and do I, have I, that. We yeah. do have a lot of those in Hawaii, but they don't come out. They I don't think, provide yeah. money. There's a lot of people that follow the program. There's not enough people mm-hmm. that go and support the program in person and that can be felt by the program. That's the problem. And UH needs to address why that's happening. Yeah. So <laughs> there should be people tearing down the freaking trying to get in. Like I'm in Costa Rica again. Um, at TC Ching, um, it is kind of scary to see that actually happen, but mm-hmm. those kind of, we should be at that level of fans being like, what, let me in this game. Like we, there's not enough seats, mm-hmm. but it, it's not like that. It's not. Yeah, well, and we've even talked about yeah. transparency. If UH is having a problem, they need to say, guys, we need to average this 
we need this many or else this is going to happen. But there's just, you know, it's just business as usual. So I have very little sympathy. So I'm, I'm very and, frustrated you know, we, with the department. So we, we do give them a, a little bit of credit because we also realize that where we live is a very expensive place to be. We have an aging population because there aren't a lot of people in their 20s and 30s that can afford to live here. So, you know, there is that part that you have to deal with, but that's not brand new. We've known this, you know, Hawaii has been one of the most expensive places to live for decades. And if that's not worked on and adjusted for marketing, you can't teach a marketing class in college if you're, if you can't figure this out, like you have to make ways and adapt and adjust, you know, for Evolve. Yes. Yeah. Looking for, and, yeah, I'll keep going, Ryan. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, at, at some point you just have to start investing and paying some people too. You can only use so much from ESPN Honolulu, which is not even, it's an affiliate of ESPN. It's not ESPN owned. You know, you've got all of these like students going around, but at some point you just got to start paying people. Even in nonprofits, they pay people to do their jobs because those people bring in revenue. Well, they do. The marketing is not in-house. Those guys are basically in-house, but they work for, um, which firm was it that we employ? Um, in our marketing we we don't and now like the fanatics that's a partnership that i i think could work for uh um, in terms of strengthening the brand and being able to distribute the product more um but we we need to get back to like we said what fundamentally what is going to attract people to come out or or care enough to give money yes the revenue can be brought in in more ways than just going to games going to games should be one of the easiest ways to to get revenue but obviously having strong but apparel. Yeah, it's a it's a chicken or the egg thing at this point because the product is not strong enough. I mean, the that's what I'm saying. Like is, is not good enough to go. The apparel and watch doesn't that. matter. The apparel doesn't that's what I'm saying. Where it doesn't you don't have to just go to the games. You can bring yeah. in revenue in so many ways. You can throw mm-hmm. events, you can have parties, you can have something like a DJ comes on the floor after the Wahine volleyball game and everybody has access like you could do a lot of things, or even the football. Obviously, we're not even, I don't even brought up volleyball. Football. I mean, we could have more events. A movie night. We bring down a whole mm. screen, and we're gonna watch whatever. Remember the Titans? I don't know. Mm. Like something that you have to find. Like we do it at at in Waikiki, and you know, like mm. uh, uh, like like whatever the movie on the beach. We can do a bunch of different things, but it doesn't have to just be specific to a game any games being a brand just means being a brand it's like hawaii sports fans i didn't i we couldn't go on trips for two years yeah couldn't go into games did i just shut down hawaii sports fans even though it was freaking i could have easily it it just wasn't working anymore but we found ways to help to grow the brand in different in, in different avenues and that's one thing was doing what we're doing right now podcasting live streaming we did some events we're co-sponsoring things that's that's a way of growing your brand and and i'm just a small microcosm right hawaii sports Fan is just a small it's not even on that level where they're bringing in that million 50 or million dollar budget whatever uh has this is just a small mom pop and pop by itself operation (laughs) so i think people need to realize the principles still are the same though how do you grow the brand in ways that 
you know, may have long-term potential. And that's something we talked about. They don't really look long-term. They don't mm-hmm. want to wait. Timmy is telling all of us, the fans, we got to be patient and wait, but they don't wait. I mean, they, you know, they, they do their own thing. I mean, at UH, they're not trying to develop fans from a young age, even if you can't bring them in for free anymore, we don't have the, the space or whatever to bring in, mm-hmm. um, you know, a bunch of pop Warner teams. The fact is there are ways that you can, um, you know, find ways that they can come in with their parents or, or something that you can build them from a long time. But even before that, I think the ones that are still capable of going to a stadium, some people are, just got older. That's that's an obvious thing. With mm-hmm. and, and that happens in every every stadium across the country is dealing with a lot of the same issues. So we can't just say it's not fair for sure to say that only UH is dealing with slipping attendance. That's not true at all. Like, but at the same time, at UH's level, it slipped so much to a point where we can't even sustain. Even if we were to sell that's, out, that's the, the thing. Is I mean, you look at the programs. Like, which one has had? has fallen the most then it's it's by far it's us i mean i who who's even close to us i mean uab they shut it down but they they went it back up but you know they were talking about them joining the acc i saw an expansion article. i think we have you know i think we have the bare minimum to stay f so this is another question i'm going to bring up to you guys because i've brought up the fcs thing i don't know if that's going to work but also now that I'm seeing it, FBS is growing more and more every year, but it's yeah. also becoming just a feeder for Power Five. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what would you rather do? Just stay in FBS if we had a choice. If we're not going to shut down the program, we're going to keep it running because really the legislature doles out enough that we can at least keep the program alive. But um, you know. It, it is at, at its weakest point right now. And I do see in five to seven years, a big change per, perhaps earlier, yeah. but if we were to be proactive about it um, and we don't get the same donations, like Ryan's saying, obviously we did, we could have donations pour in, which I don't think they ever will. And I think June was the best chance of, if we had hired him as head coach, mm-hmm. because June had a lot of business connections, which Timmy doesn't have. Yeah. Um, and he has the, you know, he, he has the influence where he could be a, a person that people in the community, business people, don't mind donating to him. So in the absence of that, I mean, what do you think and timeline-wise and where do you think, you know, because I'll, I'll start for me. I think the way that I, I thought that maybe our program could potentially be shut down, I think that there's enough interest with especially local media like coverage there's enough there's enough gen, general interest not by people who necessarily go to the games but by its relevance that it could still exist for at least the next you know 10 years but i think that um you know if the mountain west does split up and hawaii does not get invited to it then yeah we'll probably end up in a smaller, I could see us being in a smaller FBS team, but at that point, I don't know what's better for us. So I think FCS, like I said, it would be great to have three FCS schools or have at least two West Oahu and UH Manoa. But I think for you, Sean, I know you said you've been contemplating this a little bit too, and you've been sad, but do you think it's just going to be kaput? I mean, and what do you think the timeline is or what do you, 
Where do you see you? I, I read an article with Angelos and he was saying that, you know, kind of going through the inventory of the UH product, you know, he's got really good stuff like the Stan Sheriff, but then he also has, you know, the Albatross around his neck in TC Ching and like, he knows it. So, I mean, it needs to come up either. They need to absolutely just redo, redo the entire TC Chang or get that Aloha stadium built. And and I think the longer that we go without a solid plan for Aloha Stadium, I think it's just a pipe dream. The the money is worth less and less the the further we go down the pipe. And you know, I I think we we do look like an FCS team at this point. We're we're not we're at the very bottom of FBS or you know D one. FBS, uh, yeah, yeah. It's. It's just concerning. It makes me so depressed, you know, like we played in the Sugar Bowls, what, 17 years ago? So. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, it does seem like a long time. Okay. But I mean, but I mean, from that, the, like the top, the pinnacle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's no team that's fallen harder or faster than us. And mm-hmm. it is just losing Aloha Stadium has really struck at the, legit- the legitimacy of, of our program. And it's it's tough dealing with the fallout of that. So we need to get it together soon, or or we're donezos. So you think it's over then? I I'm having a hard time being optimistic. I'm I'm a half glass full guy, but I'm I'm having a hard time. I don't see how we how how this gets turned around. You know. Is it the product that improves and more people come back or is it the, the facilities and then more people will come back? Because I don't see either happening. Yeah. Well, you're right. I, I think the problem is, is like we talked about, just being content with where we are and, and letting things go. Because if you, if you had people that were at the top that said, hey, I know we're struggling right now, but I need to be proactive about it. You'd be bringing in like, hey, these are the architects for the stadium. Here's the materials that we're starting to need. You know, you've got steel, you have concrete, things that need to be, you know, and we can go on about the mess with the rail that's been for, you know, decades and a billion dollars. You know, there were good things, I think, that I saw when like the Big West contracts that actually saved a lot of our programs, I thought, when it came to, even though it's on ESPN 3 or plus, you know, all of that, those are all broadcasted on the mainland. And, you know, there's me who travels a lot, watches UH volleyball and basketball at midnight central time when I'm working. Um, but, you know, there you have this where Hawaii is so special and unique, you know, because we are a one state school. You know, this is we could have had not to that big of a, a you know thing as like the Longhorn Network, but this is what you have. You have, you know, what used to be K-5 that literally covered every sport for UH, right? Because we're the only team in the state. Yeah. And I think we really lost that over the years. You know, I see that our spectrum deal with pay-per-view was like, hey, this is the best we're going to get. I'm not going to fight for a better deal. I'm going to take the money that was the millions or whatever and the little $5 a, per sale or whatever they call it because that was a safe deal. And, you know, the thing is, is that I think that for Hawaii people, if you're seeing people that are out there fighting for you, even if they're struggling it, they'll follow. You know, I don't see... You know, people like Craig or previous ADs saying, hey, we have a big problem here. Let's find a way to fix it and be a face of this, you know, university. It was just all this stuff behind. 
you know, we go back to that Senate hearing we had with the whole Todd Graham situation. And that was one of the most unprepared things I've ever seen. You know, I mean, I, we don't have anything personally against Matlin, but I was like, if you're showing up to something with the government, you better be prepared. If you're a business owner, you better know what your revenue is, what your weaknesses are. You know, that's business 101. And to show up and had, you know, oh, I have technical problems and I don't know my own numbers on the, you know, off the top of my head, that's embarrassing. And, yeah. and that's where, that's the type of people we have in the administration. And the toughest part, the more we talk about this, is just like, you know, I think of the, uh, I don't want to call them kids because we're not that much older than them, but, you know, it's these athletes. You know, we have these national championship, you know, men's volleyball teams, right? We have, you know, solid women's volleyball. We have, you know, solid basketball. These are the, you know, the kids that came here because they, hey, I want to play at a Division One school, and that's what we're losing. You know, you can't say, oh, I'm going to Hawaii to play for a D1 school. You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to Hawaii because I'm playing for a FCS or a NAIA or, you know, it's like a BYU-Hawaii equivalent. And, and that's what really is tough to see. But that's kind of where I think we're headed. You know, it's just this secondary type of school that, you know, hey, we got a gym in Laie, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, UH didn't even listen to Blangiardi's offer. He wanted to give an offer, and they took the – they still had a window, and they just took it. They took the deal with Spectrum a week before they could entertain offers from – from uh, like a Blangiardi and Hawaii News Now, so I I have little sympathy. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so I'll say what we do, stay the course. Um, I think that right now, with the way that FBS is trending, I mean, looking at the rankings, I don't usually look at the rankings one through one hundred thirty three in FBS, but now that so many publications are doing it, and now that people are more interested in it, especially the bottom, when you look at the bottom of the country, that's where bottom twenty teams are that Hawaii played. Uh, I'm looking at the athletics version, and they have Vanderbilt at one hundred one, Stanford at one hundred four, and then San Jose at one fifteen, and then we're a bottom twenty team though, and they have us right above. Well, yeah, they have us in the bottom twenty. Yeah. Um, that was in the, but I'm saying like, they also, um, we, we, I also see other familiar faces, uh, mm-hmm. which is funny. New Mexico state Nevada. might actually be able to go to a bowl game. I mean, is it Nevada they the already worst? want four games. Um, but yeah, right now Nevada's on the, they, they lost 15 in a row now. I was watching New Mexico state beat the pants off Sam, Sam Houston state today. So yeah, Sam Houston, that's where we're going to mm-hmm. end up going to, which is. Yeah, right. so we lost BYU and we, we replaced them with Sam Houston. So that's the kind of contracts we're getting now. Oh, that game and, was today then. Oh, okay. That was a Wednesday. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're recording on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, they did cut it in half. I mean, it was 27 nothing. They ended up winning 27 13. Um, I did mm-hmm. see that one of their receivers did, it, it was a drop, but it could have been a touchdown. That was kind of a big play. Um, but yeah, you, you know, you look at teams like that, uh, you know, I look at, the coastal Carolinas, the Appalachian States, yeah. yeah, the Western Kentuckys, Eastern Washingtons. I mean, even though that they're FCS or they were at times, yeah, they're exciting football. Yeah, you know, yes, and they're and they're State they're is, moving up. They're moving. I mean, yeah, Liberty, yeah. all of these teams that yeah. came in, they're going mm-hmm. upward as soon as they enter. UTSA, UTSA you know, they're moving up. Yep. UTSA, UTSA was a top twenty-five team, yeah. and you know they came out of nowhere. So, you know. There's a lot of things where, hey, they're pulling players, and you know that's where not nowhere they've been building for ten years. 
you know, but that, but, that money ball idea, right? Because Hawaii is always going to be a stepping stone to a power five. Everyone, but now you have to be completely naive to not know that. Yeah. But now though, it's different where now Hawaii and literally anybody that's not power five is going to be looked at as a stepping stone. And right. the FBS is not trying to shrink. They're trying to grow too, but that's mm-hmm. just changing. That's just making after a, after a hundred, I mean, come on, are you FBS team? Which is funny because our power five schools under a hundred, but at the same time, that FBS changes. It's not the same. It's the, it's, it's a weak FBS. It, it, it's, it's different. I mean, it's not as competitive anymore in FBS because now we have this glut at the bottom and there are a bunch of mountain West teams there. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If we stay in that level with mountain West first, we have to be able to compete with the mountain West teams. But second, we need to find a way that we're going to grow in prominence in division one. And it's going to be hard if we continue to lose players every year too, which probably yeah. will continue to happen. New norm. Yeah. Um, but we also need to be the team, like we said, that steals a few players. And that's why the game is just going to get harder for any coach, not just coach Chang, mm-hmm. but whoever comes in after him. And that's, that's the scarier part because you don't see any lever that we're going to be able to pull and say like, this is what's going to take us to the next level. This is what's going to, and, and really the, the, unless you hire Dion Sanders or somebody in that level, I mean, mm-hmm. had Dion, you know, he wanted to go to Jackson state because he wanted to bring prominence back to HBCUs, mm-hmm. historically black mm-hmm. colleges, universities, which I definitely think is great. And I think he did a great job at Jackson state and was able to um, fulfill his task. I don't think he was expected to stay there forever, but we need that level of guy and kind of June Jones was that. June Jones was that guy who mm-hmm. went from the NFL to Hawaii and was just like, mm-hmm. I want to make a difference. Um, but who is the next guy that's going to be like that? That's going to want to make a difference. That's going to have influence. Um, that's going to be able to jump into the transfer portal. I think the transfer portal is, is a beneficial thing as well for us. Like we're by allowing us to know that we're going to lose people every year. That just means you have to be more aggressive. And I think that's why, especially when you're talking to recruits now, I don't I th- I don't know if the coaches are saying this but I would definitely be in their ear about hey after one year if it doesn't work we're still going to be interested we're keep us in mind like you know that mm-hmm. every single kid is considered transferring recruit yeah every single kid considers transferring now every single one yeah. I mean because the option is there so why wouldn't you consider it um yeah. even for yeah. starters so even for people that had great seasons, like we saw Cam Stone at Wyoming, like we still don't know why he left. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Wyoming's better than us. So, <clears throat> it, it, so, but at the same time, he is immediately a top three player on our team. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying is like, he, we need to do that, but moreover, like find those guys right away. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because we are at that same glut with New Mexico and, and Nevada and yeah. some of these other New Mountain West teams um, that we can overtake and win the conference. But if the conference is going to be nothing, doo-doo, basically, in the, fu- in, in the future, I mean, and that's not just us, at, not the Mountain West, but Conference USA and, you know, all these other Sun, Sun Belt, Belt mm-hmm. um, all these other conferences, none of, none of them are super special. A-Sun or whatever else is coming. We're all just going to be feeders. So... I hope that it does get possible. I mean, they're going to take the best group of six teams mm-hmm. still to the tournament. I think that's something worth, you know, being excited for. And that's being the college football tournament when they expand to 12 teams. It's theoretically supposed to be easier 
for a group of six team to get in. But if you look at the top 25 group of six teams, we're not in the top 25 mid-majors right now. In fact, we're near the bottom. We're at the bottom. Yeah. So power five teams under us, I would, uh, are, uh, you know, we still have power five. Oh, no, we don't actually. And I'm looking at, at these ratings, but teams like Kent State, Ball State, UMass. Grin, Charlotte, mm-hmm. UTEP, mm-hmm. Sam Houston, Southern Miss, UMass. Yeah. UMass was, was the last place mm-hmm. team when we played them in Amherst in 2017 to open the season. Uh, Middle Tennessee, UConn, Buffalo, FIU, who, um, just had a game as well. Um, Temple, Western Michigan, Arkansas State, Louisiana Tech, who used to be in our conference, North Texas, East East Carolina. So the teams re- immediately above us, East Carolina, Louisiana Monroe, Navy, Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Tulsa, Bowling Green. I mean, there are quite a few teams, Old Dominion, Utah State, um, you know, that are, would make it, are going to be barriers for us to make it to that one spot. Mm-hmm. So being in purgatory for the rest of, of existence of UH football doesn't seem like an exciting thing to me at all. Like yeah. I'd rather almost cut ties. I feel like if we did go to FCS, we can kind of end the conversation on this is more like if we did go to FCS, what could we sustain there? Um, I think that even if we went FCS, at least most of the hardcores would stick around. I think, I think the, the department said that they wouldn't, they're not interested in that because it would still be, the same amount of money to fly, but it would be a lot less revenue. So I, I think that it's either going to be FBS or shut it down. The, the flying part is might be, but you, you there's different rules to FCS and there's different, you don't have to spend as much. That's mm-hmm. why I'm saying that NCAA is not stopping the growth of FBS. Why? Why are you watering down FBS? And the reason is because they bring in revenue and they're, and, and this just being FBS, yes, maybe your TV revenue will be a little bit better, but still not going to be your mid-major TV revenue is not going to get anywhere close to what the powers are getting. And that's why Washington state and Oregon state, that's why they're freaking out, right? They're the only two teams mm-hmm. that st- are going to, unless the ACC and the 11th hour invites them, they're the only mm-hmm. two teams that stand to lose I mean, have to downgrade because of the fact that they're no longer going to be par five. Wow. But even worse than that, if they become FBS, they're never going to make it up. I mean, once the power five shuts the door, they're yeah. not going to just be inviting teams anymore because yeah. it's about negotiating contracts and they look at the whole conference. So that's why they can't fuss around with this. Maybe in 10, 12 years, maybe the teams that are, say, Oregon State and Washington State stay really are just whacking everybody in mid-major like they're the number one mid-major team then maybe they get moved up but this the door is about to close on them and they're gonna have to downsize they're 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 gonna lose revenue so yeah they're gonna go from like 25 million down to like fcs would be downsizing for us as well like you wouldn't have to do as many scholarships that costs a lot of money so your scholarships Mm -hmm. go down so i'm saying we could still fully fund fcs The, the travel I say if we if we had better travel partners like mm-hmm. if they if Hawaiian yeah. or Southwest then that would be something we wouldn't worry about if we had a good travel hotel partner that mm-hmm. would be something less I mean that's not a big thing um, of course they don't want to go to SES because a lot of them would be losing their jobs yeah. they don't want to downsize Sean that's why a lot of them don't want, obviously they're not going to be like let's go to SES but I'm saying for the benefit of us having a program that's relevant mm-hmm. because being a, in the basement of FBS you're not relevant we're not relevant. 
at all. Not. And that's the thing is like being relevant. And that's why, you know, for me, as I closed in on my hundredth game in a row, like all I've done is seen our team lose relevancy in a yeah. hundred games. Yeah. Legitimately. Even when we played in the bowl game that we won, <laughs> our last bowl game, which was the New Mexico Bowl <laughs> in Dallas. Mm. Yeah. Most people didn't even know it was on TV. And I'm talking about people that were on the Houston campus and UH Manoa campuses, like the actual mm-hmm. fans. Mm-hmm. They're like, wait, what? We're playing? Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember I called for tickets and they were like, wait, we made it to a bowl? Remember? Because I was trying to figure out <laughs> oh what cyber was sitting on. And, 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 you know, granted, it's 2020, it's COVID, you know, but we were just trying to figure out what side. And yeah, I literally called the Houston you know, ticket office and they had no idea. And they had no idea that it was in Dallas, in Frisco. And we beat that Houston team. And that's funny because if you look at where um, they are now, they're 81 if you look in the rankings. So they're in that. They're still in the bottom half tier. Mm. Um, but they're Big 12. But yeah, now they're now in their Big 12. Yeah, so that's the point. It doesn't matter. I don't mind being a, de- a dwe- seller dweller like Vanderbilt because we're at, they're in the SEC. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the whole point. Yeah. That's why when we were leaving... You know, all the Hawaii fans were so confused as how the tickets were so cheap at Vanderbilt, why they had no fans, but they have the magic ticket. It's called being in the SEC. It's like yeah. it's like being the youngest kid of a rich family that you know is old money. It's like yeah. it doesn't matter. You could be the you could be a slob and not do anything with your life, and you're gonna be totally fine. Like you're gonna be totally fine. <laughs> um, so that's another thing to be too. But even Vanderbilt has a chance to turn it around every year. I mean, they're in the SEC as well. Meaning, I mean, it's harder for for them and their school to be able to get into their school. Mm-hmm. But Stanford was being was able to be successful. So, mm-hmm. um, and and knock on the door of the national championship. So I think it is possible once you're in the Power Five. But that's why I'm saying when you're FBS, it's like so hard. I mean, like I said, when I played college volleyball, we were in the EIVA, which Penn State was the head of, and Penn State never wanted any of the D3, because we were a D3 school, but we played in a D1 league because that's volleyball didn't have classifications. It was just every man for themselves. But we were lucky to be in the EIVA, which was a pretty decent league. It wasn't the MPSF with UH and UCLA and BYU. And, you know, that was... But at the same time, every year, at least when we started, we're like, we could play in the national, like the real one against, you know, Penn State or something. And the thing is, they made it so hard for us to get into the finals of the AVA. Like we had to play each other and then we had to be in like, play all these double eliminations. But FBS seems even harder, quite frankly, <laughs> to make it. It seems even harder to be a mid-major and break it into the national championship game. And and that's the thing. If all those barriers are there, even if like, oh, get chance, like what's the point? Um, and I'm just hoping like the Mount to West, the Mount to West doesn't seem to be very strong. And if it continues on this trend, it'll be... Um, you know, it, it, it may be for the taking, but that's, I mm-hmm. think, only if some of the top teams leave, if Boise leaves or some of them. But I, I don't see. Yeah, know. so here, here's a precursor. If if those the top, what, nine, nine teams move on, it's going to be Nevada, Hawaii, and San Jose State that get left behind. All the mountain schools are guaranteed a spot as founding members of the Mountain West. So. Where would we go, do you think? Beg for Conference USA? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. If we if and if if we agree to um 
WAC. Subsidies? If we agree to subsidies there, well, the WAC is still FCS conference, but uh, yeah. if we if we agree to subsidies for like the Sunbelt or something, it's going to be, they'll probably ask for more money. And they'll probably, because yeah. the Sunbelt goes, is like mostly on the East Coast. James Madison, right. Georgia right. Th- Southern, yeah. Marshall, Old Dominion, yeah. Georgia State, Appalachian State, and, and Coastal Carolina. Those are actually all pretty good schools. I mean, James Madison, too, another one of those schools that just yeah. recently came up from FCS and is playing really well already um but yeah i don't i think the american conference i don't think we would fit in there no um their most their most westernly school is even though a huge conference is san antonio is the oh no yeah san antonio san antonio is further west in dallas right yeah so um san antonio. you're gonna go as an independent that would be rough but i'm saying what what would be the point of being independent like yeah. I, that's why I just made the analogy of winning the national. If that is your goal, yeah. to win the yeah. national championships, you as a kid obviously want to go to a par five. Being at Vanderbilt give you a better chance of winning the national championship than being at Boise, probably. Yeah, probably, mm-hmm. maybe not. I mean, that's maybe a hard yeah. extreme, but Vanderbilt has an easier chance if they can. Uh, okay, easier. I use that term very lightly, but I mean Vanderbilt easier actually path. has a clearer yeah. path, clearer. Yeah than a very murky FBS team that has to emerge above all FBS teams. Mm-hmm. So what we're saying is, especially, I would definitely not want to be independent. Um, we would be on the road the whole, like, November. Yeah, no, no, yeah we would. We would. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. teams probably wouldn't want to come to Hawaii unless we were paying for it completely, especially playing in, um, you know, in, in, in T.C. Chang. <laughs> But FCS, there would be more natural. I mean, there's at least three, four conferences in FCS that would actually work for UH, at least three conferences. So I think that that would be a hard thing to swallow for people if we did that. But that would make more sense to me in terms of like proximity to a national championship, proximity to a conference championship. Um, because right now in the Mountain West, I just, yeah. I, I don't see our program turning it around unless we're a, we're a bottom the, feeder yeah. in the mountain West, right? Mm-hmm. Unless we're bringing some players, but well, that's kind of what we want to talk about. I mean, is UH doomed? I guess was the question that we're asking. <laughs> so I think we're all of us are pretty agreeing that we're, I don't know. We're, we're screwed. We're, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> <laughs> There's always going to be life, you know, it's going to be life. At the end, if if UH makes the right choices, and I think there's just enough people that are interested still in UH football that it can breathe life, but also we haven't talked about the fact that there could be adversaries that emerge toward the program in politics, in mm. in Hawaii culture, in right. Hawaii mm-hmm. news reports slash hungry hungry Hawaiian slash you know like we haven't. UH football is lucky in that, yeah, people might make fun of them, but nobody is like actively opposed to the team existing. And I know we brought this mm-hmm. up, Jamaica Osorio. We brought a professor at UH, especially, well, except the professors at UH that nobody ever listens to, anyways, which I feel bad for them. Um, this isn't a, a, about them. It's more the fact that the academic side of UH does not really get listened to a lot when it comes to in, budgetary issues with the athletic department. So I think if they do have a prominent scholar slash professor slash someone that can you know is really high respected on campus or even a dean that comes in 
Kind of similar to BYU Hawaii when they got a new president that wasn't interested in sports. He just cut bye out bye. the whole program. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying like that's another thing that could hurt as well. Um, and that's why it was so important to bring in a head coach to U.S. football, bring in an athletic director that could go on the ground running and immediately start changing things. And for Timmy, you know, the, the jury might still be out for him as to whether he can do this or not because the cupboard was so bare. But I think for even all three of us, I'll speak for three of us, I think he does have to prove more to us. I don't think we have, and and all three of us, I you know, speak for us as well, want to see him successful. I mean, he represented represents yeah. us local mm-hmm. local mm-hmm. boys like we want to see another local boy like do Feel it good. because yeah. that mm-hmm. is a reflection of us and and we want it mm-hmm. but we also want what's best for the program as well so hopefully those two things um are always you know going to be intertwined the better for timmy and better for you know the school and better for all of us um but anything you want to end with ryan or mention are you guys sticking with your predictions for the game on Saturday? Well, are you are you just jealous because we are still, you know, on Well, I had um, the, I had them winning. We technically so we technically all have the same win loss. Cuz remember I just swapped mine. On what the do you mean? Last but you you lost both of those though. You lost both of them. What are you talking about? No, 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 about, but Ryan? overall record. No, our overall record is the same. Overall we record expected. No. Yeah. Oh no no! You're talking about final, yeah. For me, no. I said yeah, four. Yeah. for me, for you so, yeah. and for you and Sean, yes, exactly. Yeah, Sean and I'm at five, but I'm just saying like we're at the same yeah. as far as like yeah yeah, as, yeah yeah we're at the same level yeah. for ultimately where we're yeah, gonna yeah. be. But I think I still had us losing to this game just slightly. The only two teams I have on the schedule that we have left to beat is New Mexico and Nevada, and right. I think that we are in that. Team in those teams range, and we should beat yeah. them. But like, but you said earlier, Sean, we've never won. Timmy's never won a game on the road, which, um, you know, puts it a little yep. bit of a makes it. Yep. It's gonna make a lot the first time for challenge. everything. Yeah. <laughs> if if I can throw in, I I watched this. I had the opportunity oh, yeah. to go to the modern day warrior last week. Uh, got to hang out with the Bishop Street Aloha shirt. Hi Makamaka guys. Uh, <laughs> it was build is kind of like a thirty thirty. Uh, 30 for 30 kind of thing um it was interesting it, it showed well, a lot explain of like, to people what it is it's a film right so yeah it's a it's a like kind of like a hype film they're going to show it to recruits it it follows timmy around it interviews a lot of like people around the program his wife chris brown you know like uh, matt chon the you know all these people around the program and they're they're kind of like beating the drum on what timmy's trying to instill in this program Gosh, you know, they showed old clips of him, and I wish he had one more year of eligibility. You know, he, he he was good. He was good when he was really good. And, yeah, like when he was bad, I wanted his scholarship taken away. But <laughs> seeing those old clips of Timmy were, you know, at Aloha Stadium were magical. So, um, it, I mean, there wasn't enough of an arc for me because he hasn't won yet. So I feel like it's kind of premature. But, I mean, like I said, they're going to use it for recruiting purposes and – so, so in that sense, I, I think it's a good thing, but you know, like I didn't think enough about it to like post about it or say, you know, like check this out or it's, I was, it was just kind of meh for me. So modern day warrior, you can, you can check it out. All right. Well with that, you know, Oh, okay. Ryan's got something else. What do you want oh, to say? Ryan? No, I was just going to say, you know, hopefully 
that that movie gets finished five years from now because mm. then that means that there was an arc and there was yes. you know or 10 years or whatever it might be but yeah i i i think it's cool that they have that i i don't know if now's the right time because it's so new i mean we're in year two but you know we'll see if they can finish it in 10 years I mean, a hype video for the coach sounds more realistic than a biopic, which yeah. is what it kind of was billed as. Like, I hype video for what the future, that makes more sense. They're going to show it to recruits. Yeah, that makes more sense to me yeah. because I mean, yeah. even though he has had a great story, right now it is a work in progress. But you can, I mean, it is something to be excited about if you're playing for so, a guy at a school that he played at and he's trying to build something. Yeah. So it is exciting to try and build something together. It's just this is a very intense build job. This is not something so that's going to be done. That was the thing that resonated with me. He says it's all the right messaging. You know, he cares about the program. He loves the program. He loves these kids. Mm-hmm. But the thing I don't see is I don't see it translating to the field yet. And that's and that was the that's the frustrating thing for me as a fan. I'm looking for those things that like in that five and seven year with Colt Brennan, you could see the seeds. I don't see it with this team. And and that's the thing that I'm struggling with as a UH fan. I don't see Shager improving to the point where we're going to be a, a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the thing that I'm struggling with. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, quarterback is a position that we can bring in. Guys, and that's, that's another thing, too. We mm-hmm. can bring in guys that can play right away. And yeah. that's what we're going to need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, one last thing. We have no doubt. I mean, Timmy loves the program. The program loves him. He cares about the state, the community, the university. I mean, we have no yeah. doubt about any of that. No question. You know, the no. effort's there. And we've seen it, especially in what losses last year. He saw it on his face, right? I mean, he's in 100%. But like you said, Sean, you know, you can do everything right, but we still have to, you know, we still got to perform. We still have to have some kind of results. At the end of the day. Yeah, at the end of the day. And this is the end of the day right here. No more talking. <laughs> oh, one, more, one more thing. Wear, wear rainbows if you're going to the game this weekend. Oh you wear your rainbow yeah, stuff for that. Bob Wagner. Bob Wagner, we talked about him last no. week. But, I mean, I'm still, like, tearing up every time I read stuff. But it will be a cool um, show of solidarity and a show of remembrance if we wear the rainbow attire or the palaka i think if you have the green palaka absolutely you gotta bust that out um but that's it that's our last message (laughs) go check in with all the shows um but for ryan and sean this is wayne mahalo for joining us aloha so what's so different about hawaii sports fans hey guys this is wayne cueto and that's a question i get asked a lot and it's a fair one there are a lot of great local companies that will take you on the road get you game tickets transportation airfare and hotel yes we can do all of that too but the difference here is an extra layer of detail an extra layer of personalization an extra layer of premium amenities and adventure that you can't get anywhere else starting with our group size we usually never go above 24 usually around 12 to 15 and sometimes only two to four even It doesn't matter. Whatever size, we're going to give you that experience. We're going to give you a foodie adventure. We're going to make every moment count. There's no dead time. And of course, you're always going to be well-fed and always eating very good stuff. I can just guarantee you that. But here at Hawaii Sports Fans as well, we want to make you feel like family always. And that's something that is hard to do for most companies. But we're proud to do it here. We can't wait to have you on the road. Join us at HISportsFans.com.
Rainbow Wrap-Up is sponsored by Hawaii Sports Fans. Come join us for every UH football game on the road at hisportsfans.com.